Good morning, everyone. We do uh, still have some people standing. I think there might be more room on this side, um, but let's get comfortable. We're a family, I guess, huh? So I forgot last night that it was daylight savings time because smartphones have changed all that. You know, they change automatically. And so last night before the 4.30 mass, um, I was in the confessionals, I always am, and our confession line is just always packed because you guys are a bunch of sinners. But um, no, I love it at Lourdes because I love that we have a parish where people go to confession. It's so beautiful. It's, it's a sign, actually, that you guys understand what the faith is about and that you're living it. And that's so good. That's so important. But anyway, I came out of the confessional, and I, you know, I can't see out of there. And I got out, and I looked out, and there were like so many people. And I forgot it was daylight savings, and I couldn't figure out why there were so many people at Mass. And it really freaked me out. I was like, is Jesus like, is the second coming here? Why are you people at church? You don't normally go. And then I eventually figured it out. And then I gave the worst homily in the history of Christianity. It was great. So hopefully today, say a prayer. Hopefully it goes better today. Sometimes when pastors think about ways to convey messages, one of the things we kind of go to is children. Right? Children have a way of saying things where they just see. Sometimes they say funny things. There's a, there's a, I don't know if a kid actually said this or not, but I've, I've heard it said there's a little kid who does a drawing, and they're, they're supposed to draw a scene from the life of Christ. And this little kid draws an airplane, right? And the, the teacher's like, well, what, is, what is this? You know, they didn't, you know, she, she's confused, thinking, you know, there's no planes in the time of Christ. And she says, oh, this is the flight to Egypt. You know, <laughs> when they're fleeing. I just love those things, right? And they've got, and supposedly the teacher asks, well, there's Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, but who's that? And the kid's like, oh, that's Pontius the pilot, you know. <laughs> um, but there's one I've heard, and again, I, this, wasn't, this isn't my own story, but I've heard this, and I think it really fits our readings today. And it's really, I th- it's something... Today's gospel and today's message, brothers and sisters, is the very basics of Christianity. There's almost nothing more simple, but for that reason, in some ways, today is the most profound. And the the other children kind of line that I love is there's a story that goes that one of the teachers asks, why is Jesus called the Word? Right? Catholics, like oftentimes with our, our Christian brothers and sisters, our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters, they, when they say the word of God, they mean this. But we don't. For us, the, the scriptures are hugely important, but this isn't the word of God. That's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And so a teacher asks the, the, her class, you know, why do you think Jesus is called the Word? And supposedly one of the, the little children says, because Jesus is everything God wanted to say to us. And I love that. Today, brothers and sisters, what I want to convey to you 
is the absolute uniqueness of Jesus. We're so used to him in, in our world. We're so used to, even if Christianity is fading in our culture, and it is, if you don't see that, you got to wake up and you got to see that Christianity is dying. We are living more and more in a post-Christian country. We're talk a little bit about that today. But even still, most of us in this church, we have a certain familiarity with Jesus. And sometimes it's just enough to inoculate us. Right? When you get an immunization, what did they, if I understand right, what you, or if I say it wrong, one of you nurses or doctors correct me after mass. You're good at that. And I'll see you in confession. Um, <laughs> but right, if I understand right, in immunization, what they do is they, they inject a little bit of the disease into you, and your body right, grows immune to it. It comes to recognize the flu or whatever it is. Now, that's what's happening in our country. People have just enough of Jesus that they think they know him and they're immune to the faith. They're apathetic, right? It doesn't strike them. They don't see it. Brothers and sisters, there is no one in history like Jesus. There's nothing like him. There's nothing in the history of the world that has ever been similar to what happened to the life of Christ 2,000 years ago. Nothing. Jesus is the word of God. He is everything the Father wanted to say to you. Everything. And he speaks to us oftentimes more in his deeds than by the words he speaks. A really cool thing happened in 1871. It's a great year. When we, if you go to Jerusalem, and I always talk about this, you got to go. When you go to Jerusalem, your faith kind of comes alive. Sometimes we go to church on Sundays, and it can feel like, is this real? And when you go to the Holy Land, and you, for instance, you go to Capernaum. When you go to Capernaum, you will stand in the synagogue where Jesus gave the bread of life discourse in John chapter 6. There are stones still in the foundation of that synagogue that were there at the time of Christ. And that's where he gave his most profound teaching about the Eucharist. Right? When you go to Jerusalem, the steps that go from the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, down uh, towards Gethsemane that Christ himself walked are still there. And it makes you remember, it makes you feel like, wow, this is real. This happened. And all these things that Father Brian and the, talks about on Sundays, this isn't just my imagination. Now, in 1871, there were some archaeologists, and they did an excavation right at the temple site. And Jerusalem's so ancient that every time they do an excavation, they, they tend to find something. But this was a big one. They got there, and they were excavating, and they found one of these stones that was in the temple. And they found multiple of these now. But in 1871, this was a very big deal. They found one of these stones and engraved on it in Greek, it says, any Gentile who passes through here, his blood falls on his own head. All right, for the Jews of Jesus' this time, there's two types of people in the world, right? There's priests and there's lay people. No, just kidding. 
There's Jews and there's Gentiles. Jews are the people of God. They're the ones who are in the family. They are the ones who have the covenant. They're the ones who have God's law. They are the ones who know the truth and who know why God created everything. And then there's Gentiles. And Gentiles, not all of them, but they tend to not live moral lives, is the Jewish conception of it. Right? They, have, they worship false gods. And that, that's it. There's two types of people. And so that sign in the temple, it says, any Gentile who passes through here, his blood falls on his own head. And that was inside the temple. When you first go in the temple, it's amazing. They had these giant mikvahs. And what those are, they're ritual cleansings. It's where the first Christians were baptized on Pentecost. But that's another sermon. But they're huge. And you would go in and you would go and wash yourself so you were clean. You go in the temple and you're in the court of the Gentiles. So anybody could go there. Anybody. Once you've been ritually washed. And then there's another wall. And that's where those signs hung. And it's the entrance of the court of the Jews. And if you were a Gentile, right? If you were not a Jew, you couldn't go in there. You, and what that said, that told you where you stood before God. You didn't belong. You were not part of his family. The promises that came with his covenant did not belong to you. And I want you to feel that. Because the country we live in, brothers and sisters, is all about rights. That's all we talk about these days is rights. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. Father Glenn always had the best answers to seminarians. He thought seminarians were so entitled. And he said, you're entitled to two things, the cross and a Christian burial. Now get out of my office. <laughs> he always said that. He was like, you were entitled to a cro- the cross and a Christian burial. I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> can't wait to be a priest. <laughs> We're about rights. Americans think that we deserve, we have a right to this and that and this and everything. Brothers and sisters, you and I have no right to God. We have no right to salvation. We have no right to the forgiveness of our sins. None of us. Not a single Christian in history, not a single person, not the Blessed Virgin Mary, not Pope John Paul II, not me and not you. None of us have a right before God. And that's what our readings are all about today. In our second reading, the reason I bring up this temple imagery is in our second reading today from Galatians, or I'm sorry, from Ephesians chapter 2, we finish the reading, we're going to come back to it in a second, and the very next line is all about the temple. It says, therefore remember that you Gentiles in the flesh remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise. And Paul just keeps piling it on. Paul was not a very pastoral priest, right? 
He, didn't, he told people the, the hard way. He says, and you were without hope and without God in the world. Thanks, Paul. I'm going to go find another church. Hey, what he's describing there is that situation of you had no right to God. You had no access to him. You were a stranger and an alien to the covenants and the promises of God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made us both one, Jews and Gentiles, right? There's two types of people. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. You know what that one people is called? It's called the church. The miracle that Paul talks about all over the New Testament is that out of those two people, God has made one in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made us both one. And here's why I got on this whole analogy. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Maybe not 100%, but very close. Almost all scripture scholars believe that when Paul writes that line, the dividing wall that separated us, he literally is speaking about that wall in the temple. That was us. You and I had no access. We were not a part of the family. We had no claim on God whatsoever. And what happened there, what happened on Good Friday, is that that wall was torn down. And brothers and sisters, you, here's what Paul is talking about today in Ephesians chapter 2. Is that you didn't deserve that. There's nothing you can say to God to say, yeah, it's great, you know, that we're in the covenant, but I'm a pretty stand-up guy. Right? I, I don't know, I had all A's in the seminary. Right? I showed up to Mass on time. I don't know, whatever your claim is, nothing you could ever have done could merit the sacrifice of Christ. And so today, brothers and sisters, St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Have you ever been loved when you didn't deserve it? It's like the greatest thing on earth. When you know that you don't deserve to be loved, but someone loves you anyways, it's a miracle. And it brings such freedom and such joy. You know, we as Catholics, we all know this, we have a bad reputation out there. Do you know that? I blame you. Uh, we have a bad reputation. And the bad reputation you and I have 
is a lot of people out there think that Catholics believe that by your good works, you can earn salvation. No, you can't. And that's what St. Paul is telling us today in our reading from Ephesians. You cannot earn the love of God. When you were his enemy, Christ died for you. And that's the best news ever. <laughs> right? Yesterday I was at a funeral for one of my good priest friends. His father died. And they read from Romans 8 where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's the best news ever. When I was the enemy of Christ, when I was separated from him, when I was in exile from the covenants of God, that's when he loved me. Now, brothers and sisters, we live in this culture, and we all drink it in. Every one of us does. We drink in the culture we live in. It's just natural. It's in the air. We tend to think like those around us. And our culture doesn't believe this. Our culture believes in rights. All of us have a right before God. All of us are going to heaven. All of us are basically good people, and so we're all fine before God, except for whatever political party you're part of, the other one's going to H-E double hockey sticks, right? Do you ever see the, um, oh, never mind, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> Prudence just kicked in. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's how it works. Jeez, and here's the point, brothers and sisters, Jesus is unique. You do not get to go to heaven because you're a stand-up guy. If you get into heaven, it is because of him and him alone. Jesus is everything God wanted to say to you. He is not just like Muhammad. He is not just like Buddha. Jesus' life radiates a glory and a truth that no one has ever seen. And the final place, the place that was shown greater than anywhere else, was as he laid down his life on the cross. And anyone who has eyes to see should see that. In our gospel, say, let's tie this to our gospel. In our gospel, John 3.16, right? That's the one, you know, somebody told me this morning, they said, they're like, hey, FB, you should like, do you guys know that? People call me FB. I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> um, but somebody was like, you should, you should get like a Broncos jersey and like walk in with like a, the John 3.16 sign today. And I was like, I'll see you in the confessional. But... <laughs> We heard that say, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. Here's the point. So many people in our culture think, you know what, I don't go to church. I'm not really a Christian, but I'm okay. I'm a good person. The only way that dividing wall came down was in the blood of Jesus Christ. There was no other way. The Gentiles were not let into the covenant because they were nice to each other. 
They were led into the covenant because of the death of the Son of God. It does matter if you have faith. It does matter that Christianity is different from other religions. It does matter who died on the cross. This is the center of our faith. In John today, John chapter 3, God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in Christ is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. Why? How can we say that? How can we say that someone who doesn't see Jesus has a condemnation? Brothers and sisters, it's because Jesus is love himself. It's because Jesus is truth himself. It's because Jesus Christ is goodness himself. And if you reject him, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I just don't know. It's kind of like a multiple choice question on the SAT. Like, I don't know, is it Muhammad or Buddha? I don't know. Buddha's got that cool, like, cross-legged pose. Looks, looks neat. I like incense. I don't know. No, if you reject Jesus Christ, you reject the revelation of love himself. That's the point. Finally today, today is a day of joy for us. This is why we go to Mass every Sunday. This is why we live differently. It's not because we live differently so we can earn our salvation. It's because when someone loves you that way that you didn't deserve it, your life is changed. When you're loved in a way that is total and complete and looks like that, how could you live the same way? Everything changes. Scripture scholars, today when, when St. John says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Scripture scholars hear in that an echo of the story of Abraham. In Genesis 22, Abraham, right, he has one son, Isaac. And Isaac is Abraham's everything. His everything. Jesus Christ is God the Father's everything. God, in Ephesians 1, St. Paul says, what more could God give us? There's nothing more he could give us. He gave us everything he had because he gave us his son. Christianity is unique. There is nothing like it. Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is everything God the Father wanted to say to you. And it is only in his blood and by his death that you can be saved.